Welcome once again to Hockey... Whoops. There we go. Can you hear me? Welcome once again to Hockey 24-7. That was hilarious as uh, we try and get my headphones back up and running. There we go. I'm using Tyron's headphones for a change. Uh, Reason being is that we've had to outsource headphones because we've got... A man in studio for a change. The first time to come, the first one to come through to our studios here in Johannesburg. Um, welcome once again to the show. Welcome, Tyron Jabu Barnard. Yeah, welcome. Uh, thanks, Derek. And uh, yeah, please be careful with my wire there. It's a little bit shorter than yours. Sorry, I won't pull um, your wire again. Please, sure please don't. Not, we're on YouTube now. People can see. <laughs> yeah, and uh, of course, welcome, Aiden. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. What a what a great place to be. Yeah, thanks so much for, for making the trip down here. Yeah? Uh, you are based over in the Midlands. I know that you came out here exclusively to, to join the Hockey 24-7 family. Uh, but before we chat a bit about you, Tyron, a bit of a better intro. Come on. No, of course, of course, of course. This evening on the table, we have uh, pizza from Pick and Pay. That's <laughs> uh, Pick and Pay. If you're listening, please. No, no. In, in all seriousness. Um, tonight, this is uh, an interesting chat because over the 25, 26 episodes we've done so far, our focus has been on the hockey players. Tonight we have a hockey player who's also a uh, hockey umpire, who's also got a life around hockey in terms of his professional career. And uh, we've had one person who has a professional career in hockey before. It was really enlightening. And we look forward to this chat. And this is Aiden. He was the first person anywhere in the world to play at an Indoor Hockey World Cup. And then to umpire at the next Hockey World Cup. And uh, no matter what anything else happens in your career, that's that's something you can claim right till the end. Aiden, welcome to the show officially. Thanks, guys. Uh, again, what a great place to be. Pizza and beer. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't always happen. In fact, it's <laughs> happened for the first time tonight, courtesy of you. Thank you. Well, and, and last week... When we interviewed Nick Spooner. Yeah, okay, fair enough. And, and the week prior to... Yeah, actually, it's, it's happened quite a few times. Um, but yeah, Aidan, a, a little bit of background. Uh, I mentioned that you are from the Midlands. I mean, you've been there the, for most of your life, I, I think pretty much all of it. But um, a business side and a hockey side. Uh, first, let's deal with the hockey side, just the origins before we get to the real questions. Yeah, so uh, hockey's been in the blood uh, my whole life. Uh, not too many people know. My, my brother's a springback as well. He was fortunate to to play when he was at school uh, in under 18 for the, for the senior national team. Um, and with that, uh, that became part of my life. Um, continued through, through the ropes as we do from, uh, from Midlands through to uh, national perspective and then uh, fortunate enough to, to play in the, the national indoor team. Um, yeah, so born and bred in Peter Maritzburg. Uh, as, as the saying goes, how do you tell a college boy? Now I'm going to tell you I'm from Maritzburg College and very proud of it. Um, and yeah, a, a big up to Mark Bechet, to be quite honest, and, and how he schooled us in, in the hockey fraternity. So, of course, the obvious question is, uh, were you at school with Kevin Peterson or John T. Rhodes? <laughs> Neither. I was positioned actually just between both of them, but yeah. <laughs> yeah what about Joel Stransky? Ah, there we go. And Butch. And Butch. Was it, was he and, and this is Hockey 24-7, so Billy, not Billy, uh, Tarsen Tlungwana. That's right. So, yeah, yeah. We, we've got a... We've got a, a a really proud uh, history in the hockey game. Um, we've produced a, a large number of, of national and international uh, players from the school. And yeah, it's all around the ethos of, of hard work and grit. Put the effort in and uh, 
yeah, it shows at an international level. It was great. I was watching a documentary on Kevin Peterson, a five-part series, which played over the duration of the recent Ashes. And Nasser Hussain presented and, and hosted the, the entire thing. And he went with Kevin. I think it was the very first episode that went over to, to Maritzburg. And, and Nasser, old-school English traditionist, he was blown away at the sheer size of the school, the beauty of the school, and the, the success of the school, which, uh, I mean, you having been there, it, it goes without saying. No, definitely. And uh, it, it's a lot to do with um, the principles of, of the school. And, and again, hard work, uh, it pays off. We were drilled hard. Uh, we played hard. We worked hard. Um, and yeah, I, I probably stopped a million short corners in my life. I can I can stop a short corner with my eyes closed. And uh, fortunate enough, I also learned to, to flick them in the top left. So lots and lots of fun memories on pipes. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a good five years. And, and now you're based over in Hilton, and you actually look over the hallowed grounds of Hilton College. Yeah, we do, and uh, very fortunate to, to see the sunrise over the school, uh, to hear the cries uh, on rugby Saturdays and, and hockey Fridays. Um, it's, it's really, yeah, spoilt and privileged to live in the Midlands. Uh, and again, uh, I think that people must remember there's not too many pe- places like South Africa in the world. I travel a lot for both workers and as well as umpiring, and what a pleasure to come home to South Africa and, and live in this country. And uh, I've got to ask, uh, you've got children? I do. I've got uh, a double trouble. I've got a, a four-and-a-half-year-old boy. His name's Austin. And uh, Carmen, it's uh, two-and-a-half. And a, and a lovely wife that supported me through this process. So if you stay on the cusp of Hilton, where will Austin end up going? It all depends if <laughs> I can... <laughs> It all depends if I can barter cows, to be quite honest. <laughs> Fair enough. No, it's a, a very pure comment. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, Derek, Derek's, as you can see, Derek overlooks um, other houses. Four ways. Four ways, and that's exactly where his daughter's going. Four ways, hard, no. Uh, probably not. No. Uh, in case they were listening, I just, <laughs> you've, just, you've just closed that door for yourself. No, it's a, St. Mary's all the way for her. Yeah, there we go. And she can play in the... The, the St. Mary's Festival. Yeah, 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 definitely. Funny enough, actually, we're speaking uh, two days after her recent <coughs> sports day. And I mean, I, I played rugby growing up, and that was pretty much the, the sport that I succeeded at. And when I say succeeded, it was just better than the others. Uh, so I was still pretty crap at it. But uh, the apple fell very, very far from the tree because she won all her races. Um, she's four years old, so it's like egg spoon race and stuff like that. But uh, she still won. So I've got high hopes for St. Mary's. The scholarship will have to do, though. It, it won't be paid. Does she run on her toes? Uh, yeah, she does. Okay. Yeah, she, she's an Albert, she has to. <laughs> so um, before this becomes uh, the Alberts 24-7, let's, uh, let, let's go to hockey and let's go to the Indoor Hockey World Cup, the one that you played in. Um, I'm busy playing with my headphone speakers while I talk. Um, all right, that was 2011. Leipzig. Leipzig, yep. Yeah. It was at a stage where Pro Series Indoor was still at its in its infancy. Hundred percent. Indoor hockey got pretty much no coverage. I um, I still banded up uh, just before the World Cup, and I chatted to Matt Fairweather to to at least do profile cards so people knew who the players were. But in truth, there was really little coverage about it, and and people don't know quite uh, the story of of us going, <laughs> of our coaching situation, of the players who went. So, so let's talk a little bit about that World Cup and, and take people through the experience that you guys experienced in going into the unknown, so to speak. Yeah, so World Cup Leipzig was, was amazing. So let's start by saying 
if you're a hockey fan and an indoor hockey fan, save up, go to the World Cup in Germany. It's a no-brainer. Um, it is four days of absolute bliss, guys. Uh, there's beer, there's lights, there's music. First game starts at 9 a.m. and the last game finishes at midnight every day for four days. It's absolute cracker. So, yeah, getting back to Leipzig, um, yeah, again, indoor hockey, we were seen as uh, those guys that play indoors with the boards on the first courts. Uh, a lot of the outdoor guys hadn't really perfected the skill and, uh, of the game. Uh, and us in Midlands had had really played it our whole lives. Uh, indoor hockey in, in the Midlands is as strong as it'll ever be. Um, we we really train hard. We, we introduced at an early age on the courts. And we, we have the highest densities of indoor courts in the country. And that, and that shows the type of personnel that came out of there. So back to Leipzig. Um, yeah, the team was generally made up of Midlands and Natal guys. Um, not too much infrastructure, financial gain and back from towards the team. Uh, we sort of had to find our own sponsors. And uh, yeah, we, we were fortunate that, yeah, we ended up not paying for it. But low profile, no one really knew we went over there. Arrived in Leipzig, it was snowing and it was cold. Uh, we, we rocked up there. I think we landed at 6 a.m. Our first game was at 1 p.m. against a local club side. We didn't even know how to walk on ice, never mind snow. It was quite ridiculous. Um, so there's us with our bomber jackets, jerseys, scarves, heading off to this community hall in the middle of Germany. Uh, I couldn't tell you who it was against. Bust out there, snowing, raining, freezing. We've had like six hours sleep on the plane if we're lucky. And uh, we rock up and this hall is packed. It's a tiny little hall. It's a, a wooden floors and it looks like glass. Fast, fast, fast. And I don't know if you recall, the rules had just changed at that World Cup. Uh, and what that meant is uh, the, the number of players on the court had changed. Uh, and, and with that, we were pretty much nowhere in South Africa. We had played no opposition with this new strategy and structure uh, and really had to find our way. We, we got on the court. Uh, I think we were 2 down, down in the first two minutes. South Africa versus a regional team. Could you, could you believe it? Uh, so I, I couldn't tell you what the end score was. We, we got a club, put it that way. Um, but it was good for us. We, we realized we are in the real world now, and it's Germany, and it's indoor hockey, and uh, those people down south don't really know what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I remember trying to to follow and a lot of it was uh, streamed and you'd have to follow via updates or if you were lucky, you got updates. And I remember remember seeing us uh, go in and, and I think against one of the big teams, we scored the opening goal and, and I don't have the, the, the roster here. And all of a sudden I thought, geez, the surprise is on. And, and then we, we took a good, good hiding in, in that match. But overall, the experience of going to the World Cup, does that, does that, from a playing point of view, rank up there as the best? Yeah, definitely. And uh, let's, touch, let's touch on the tournament itself. It's, uh, we really actually competed in that tournament. No one could see or, or understand what we did. We competed for probably 17 minutes of the games. Uh, and then the good old South African mentality, we said, no, stuff this. Let's go win. And... Uh, like we did, we changed our strategy and we got wham, bam, one, two, three. And it's uh, four or five goals later and we're like, geez, what did we just do there? Like, guys, uh, trying to win against Germany, let's get real. Let's, let's go for a 3-2 loss rather. But uh, unfortunately, uh, yeah, the powers that may be made those decisions and uh, we live by them. But getting back to the tournament and its whole four days of absolute bliss, guys. It's two games a day. 
Um, the, the vibe is unreal. There's lights, there's smoke, there's beer, there's, uh, you name it. It's, it's one of the best experiences in my lifetime. And again, having gone now from a playing perspective, which was really hard, uh, to then going and, and being fortunate to be selected to umpire at, at the World Cup, um, the umpiring side is, is far more enjoyable. Uh, yes, there's, there's pressure, pressure in, in certain in instances, but uh, overall, what an experience. Uh, it's been fantastic. My first experience of indoor hockey uh, took place a couple of months ago over in Durban. It was the SA women's side uh, taking part in the, the Spa Tri-Series. Uh, also in action was uh, Zimbabwe and Botswana. And uh, myself and Ty uh, were lucky enough to, to go down and commentate over the course of five days. And I was blown away. I loved every second. I mean, my experience with hockey as a whole is pretty extensive. I mean, I know what I'm watching. Indoor hockey, I had no idea. Uh, you think you know, having watched outdoor hockey, but um, going there, I was blown away. And and yeah, for the uninitiated, I, I can only sing its praises. It's uh, highly, highly entertaining. And and it's almost as if it's a, it's a gateway drug to hockey because – just as what T20 is doing for cricket. I, I can imagine with fans who know absolutely nothing, well, people who know nothing, who, who want to get into the sport, indoor hockey to watch. Jeez, man, it's, it's eye-opening. Yeah, and I see that transition. Also, I compare it to Sevens Rugby and uh, the transition where, where the Sevens guys are now competing at, at, at 15s. Um, we've seen the skill sets that you learn within the indoor space being executed now on, on, on the field. It's, it's amazing. These youngsters today can do things you cannot even dream of. Uh, and, and big up to, to PSI and, and uh, that setup on, on really getting indoor hockey off of the ground and uh, running a professional setup that is, that is going to grow the pool for SA hockey. I know we're going to break away from this quickly. I've just got to um, remember a story from back in the day. I think it was around 92, 93. And you mentioned when you went over to the Indoor World Cup and uh, you got beaten by a local community side. Um, very similar to what happened with our South African beach football team. It went over to the Beach Soccer World Cup over in Brazil. And what they'd done was they'd taken a whole bunch of guys that were either on the cusp of retirement or had retired from local PSL sides, and they put them together and they said, cool, no, we, we're going to go over and, and take part in this Beach Soccer World Cup. They said, no, great, we can play soccer. And off they went, and they were on uh, Copacabana Beach. And um, they said, yeah, cool, let's play a bunch of people sitting in the stands. They said, cool. When I play against an international team, they said, yeah, they put them on. They got smashed like 20 nil <laughs> by a bunch of fans sitting in the stands. <laughs> well, that hasn't happened to an indoor hockey side yet. And we might have lost to regional sides, but uh, not yet. Um, yeah, and, and, and I mean, you made good reference to, to Midlands. I, I remember I was coaching Eastern Gateng under 21 when we still had the under 21 indoor RPT. And we went down one year to Midlands. Um, and... It was the RPT then. Uh, there were about 12 teams in the, the boys or men's A section, whatever you call it, under 21. And we made the semifinals, and it was outstanding. The team that won the tournament was Midlands A. The team who came second were Midlands B. And the team who came third was uh, Raiders. We came fourth. Midlands C came fifth. And I think that, and that's at an under 21 level. I'm talking probably about 12 years ago, 13 years ago. I think that tells you all there is to tell you about the strength of Midlands hockey. And I suppose the question that I have on that is, what have we done wrong to not harness that more? Yeah, so I, I have my thoughts on that. And uh, 
historically, South African sports structure is is based on a school sports structure. Uh, so you, what you'll find is that a lot of past pupil alumni are giving back to their schools. Uh, if we go and look overseas, um, sports is played at, in outside of school and within the clubs. And uh, to be quite honest, it's like a drug. You, you associate yourself to your club or your school. Um, and then historically, you're going to give back to that association. So if we go and look in Europe, it's sports is all club related. Uh, and that forms part of a family. And unfortunately, uh, in South Africa, the sport, the sport sits in, in, in school level. And wi with that, uh, once you've left school, you've got no psychological attachment to that school. Uh, I think what would be good in time, and we've seen a couple of clubs do this now, is a lot of the schools are now starting old boys clubs as hockey teams. And I see that strengthening in time and adding a lot of value to SA hockey where there is an emotional connection that, that used to be there from the school days. Yeah, what's great about that is you see a school like Jeppy. Uh, Jeppy, their first uh, first team boys have only lost one game in the last two years. But in the Joburg Premier League, the Jeppy first team has four or five guys from the school side playing there. And so there's this continuity that you're talking about. You see it with Crusaders for uh, the girls um, joining up with St. Stidians. So it absolutely, it's a it's a structure that will, will reap benefits and... Unfortunately, I don't know how much of that structure exists down in the Midlands at this point in time. Yeah, unfortunately, as, as we know, school hockey is really strong still. There's some really, I, I believe, the the execution and, and how a player develops is is to do with their coaches. Uh, so we've got some really good coaches in, in the Marisburg or the Midlands setup. Um, and then, yeah, what happens is those guys, sports is now a business, as we all know. Uh, the universities are, are hunting exceptional players and the universities have the pull to pull the Midlands players to their various regions. So let's go to Tuck, sorry, college, um, varsity and, and look at hockey. Um, and, and with that, it, it comprises of college hockey and, and the schooling and the grounding of that. We go to Marty's, there's some good players. Um, so yeah, unfortunately hockey at university and at, at university of KwaZulu-Natal doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, the demographics have, have changed the focus within the sports department. And uh, yeah, football, rugby um, and other sports are priorities. And uh, that's the reality of society. We, we've got to find sexy products that people want to be associated to. And right now, hockey might not be that for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't have hit the nail better on the head than that, Sam. Let's, let's move away from, from Midlands and, and schoolboy hockey and let's go back to the World Cup. But let's move from Leipzig now to Berlin. Four years later, you're not wearing the Protea on your shirt anymore. You're wearing FIH and you go there as an umpire. Um, I mean, at what point did you decide, okay, because you still play, but at what point did you decide, no, my focus, I wanted to go as an umpire? Uh, what was the turning point for you? Um. Yeah, I think we, we need to be realistic in life and, and that falls in both business and sports and uh, my, my time is, 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 is up and on the indoor field. Uh, I've, uh, I've done my bit. We've added a lot of value where we can. Um, it's in my blood and it, it won't stop. Um, so I, I had the opportunity to possibly get on the panel. Uh, many people didn't know this, but uh, I went to the World Cup without an international grade. Um, which is pretty scary, and the risk they invested in me, well, I'm very fortunate. So, uh, went to the international, yeah, to to the World Cup. Um, 
I also was fortunate to, enough to blow three internationals in one game. I don't know if that's been done, done before at the World Cup either. Uh, lastly, ended up umpiring the quarterfinal in my first major event. Uh, yeah, proud, nervous, uh, and very happy with the transition. Um, the, the space that we're in there, is, it, it's just another hockey field. The rules are the same. Um, the speed is slightly quicker. But on the field, get 99% of the small decisions right. You earn the trust. You earn the responsibility. You, you earn the power to execute what you're good at on the field. And uh, any any sort of guidance to an umpire going forward, it would be really focused on the little decisions. There's probably uh, 99 of those on, on the game. And you earn the trust and the the respect from the players and, and the people watching the game. And and that's what I focus on when I, when I enter the field, whether it's outdoor or indoor. Tyron spoke about the turning point, but what was that transition like from being a player to, to almost a boss, so to speak? Yeah, so um, I've been umpiring my whole life. Uh, so the, at, at college, I was introduced to umpiring. Uh, so when I was under 14, I was um, umpiring under 12. When I was 16, I was umpiring under under 14. And I've just transitioned through the process. So I had this dual role. And, and, and the reason why I did it is it actually, not too many players realize this, but the advantage you can get from understanding the mentality of an umpire is that 1% that you need as, a, as an international player to succeed. That 1% that, that you can execute by possibly putting a suggestive comment in the umpire's mind or understanding what that umpire might do in a situation allows you to win games. It allows you to, to get short corners. It allows you to get a yellow card. It allows you that upper hand. And, and guys, sport is so, at the highest level, it's, it's that 1% that differentiates yourself. Um, and, and with that, I use that as my secret to execute on, on the game of hockey. I'll never forget, I've travelled a fair bit with the international cricket team for, for South Africa, the Proteus. And uh, a couple of years ago, we were in India, and I used to stay in the same hotel with the team, as well as the umpires. And um, I remember the team were going out the one night for, for drinks and, and dinner. And the one player said, no, no, he's not. He saw the umpires in the bar. He's going to go join them. And they said, no, you know, you've got to be a team player. And he said, no, you've got no idea. that This is being a team player very much so. And, and he went, and uh, Gouldy, who's one of the umpires, he was there, and he enjoys a drink. And, and the guy came in, and it was obviously completely choreographed from his side, but the umpires had no idea. And he became complete mates with them, sitting at the bar. And, I mean, this went on for about two, three hours. And, uh, yeah, over the course of the next couple of days, um, for those 50-50 decisions, suddenly this guy... They went his way, and uh, obviously it harks back to spending time with the umpire. Did did you get a, a convincing comment in your ear that, that made you change your mind? Um, no, so the, the suggestive comment, <laughs> I appreciate those people. They're, they're using their brains on the field to to try and make you think. And, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got some stories about, about umpiring and, and in the world. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a tea fanatic. I'm, I'm a passionate Five Roses drinker, and I do like my beer, but... Uh, <laughs> Try and get a hot cup of tea in India is, is very problematic. And I know this is way left, but I'm going to tell you a story because it's quite interesting. Is when I travel, I take my five roses with me because it's just what I like in the mornings. And uh, I was uh, sitting in the Indian hotel and I'm trying to get a hot cup of tea. And obviously, us English, uh, we like our milk with our tea, which is a little bit foreign for anyone else. So 
yeah, can, can I have a cup of tea, please? English breakfast tea, and it comes, and it's lukewarm, and there's no milk, and eventually I, I worked out how to get hot tea in India, and it's, uh, good morning, sir. Can I please have piping hot English breakfast tea with a warmed-up mug and uh, warmed milk, please? And uh, from that day on, I know how to get hot tea in India. <laughs> Gee, that accent was spot on. Yeah, that, Derek, let's yours. Uh, not even close. <laughs> well, um, can we offer you a, a piping hot tea? Yeah, sorry, we only had beer for you. My apologies. Yeah, we, we've got to go back to another story from India. I know it's completely going left field now. But, um, I mean, it's a, a fantastic country. Obviously, we know that, that the national sport is hockey, but cricket is indeed a, a religion there. And um, I've been to the likes of New Zealand where people speak about how hallowed rugby is, but it doesn't come close to cricket. There's absolutely no way. And uh, the one night... We were coming back from uh, a restaurant or from a pub, which was right opposite from the cricket stadium. And it was myself and, and my cameraman, Pat. And uh, we got back to the hotel. And as I mentioned, we'd been staying in the same hotel as, as the players. And um, I was still keen for a bit of a party. And I said, yeah, yeah. And we were in Nagpur as well, which is a terrible place. No offense. And we decided, I said, no, listen, we've got to go look for some place to, to go have a bit more more of a party. And he said, okay, cool, there's nothing. The place is completely dead, the hotel. I said, no, we'll find. I heard some music. Went downstairs, and there in the, the basement, they were having a, a wedding. And Indian weddings are lavish affairs. And we walked in, and the entire wedding party stopped. The groom came over to me, and they knew that the proteas were staying there. And he said, South Africa? Meaning South Africa plan. I said, yes, meaning I'm from South Africa. The entire wedding party stopped. They lined them up from the groom and the bride right through to the barman. And we had to go down and shake everyone's hand, have photo opportunities. Probably lasted about uh, half an hour, just the, the handshaking alone. They are the most amazing people and uh, they are sport before. Have you ever decided which player it was they thought you were? Yeah, Jeez, you know what happened as well? Um, I had to do an interview the one day and uh, there, were, there were lights on me. We were doing a live interview. I was doing it to some media house. And um, next thing, these cars are pulling over and these people get out. They're, they're standing in line waiting for an autograph. And uh, we finish up the interview. And uh, I get there and they say, oh, can I have an autograph? So I said, no, no, I'm not a player. And they said, no, you are. So I said, no, I'm not. And they said, no, you are. And they pointed to the monitor that had been showing what they were just recording. And it said, Derek Alberts, Proteus Batsman. So they just make it up on the spot. And because every person and their dog... Has, uh, has a camera there in India. So there are media houses fighting for any chance that they can get. So they'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. That, that's ridiculous. The, the, the worst I've ever been called on, on TV was I was once called a... <laughs> no jokes. I was called a boxing analyst on ETV. Now, I've never watched more than one round of boxing, but they, they, they couldn't get their normal guy in, so they got me in on a Monday morning. You know, I, I used to go in and talk about football and cricket and, and hockey. And they were like, we need you to, to, to talk about Triple G and Golovin. So I watched a, a highlights video on Supersport. I didn't know which guy was which. I read an article and I just almost verbatim re-splurged re, uh, out the article. You know, Triple G took him down in the third round. And he was really unfortunate that that wasn't the end of the fight right there. Um, Derek's muting me because he's tired of my boxing analysis. <laughs> All right, this is not boxing in India 24-7. It is hockey 24-7. Thank the goodness you're reverting back to hockey. <laughs> yeah, so what did you think of Golovin in that? No. Um, <clears throat> let's go back to uh, 
to uh, umpiring. And South Africa has a very rich history in umpiring. We've got the Golden Whistle for Morales de Klerk, for Dion, uh, for John, for Peter, for Michelle. So five guys with the Golden Whistle. Annalise Rostrin on the, the, um, the shortlist. Gary Simmons revered as one of the great indoor hockey umpires. Also a very good outdoor umpire, but indoor he's top, top, top. You know, why? Why Why are South Africa so good at umpiring? Yeah, I, I think it's to do with um, a little bit of the diversity of our country. We, we've uh, we've had a difficult few years, uh, the last couple of decades, um, and, and we've had to learn and adapt and, and change, uh, deal with every situation on merit, uh, not react and be volatile, and and then literally look at the situation, process it, and, and give the, the correct uh, application to that. So South Africans are extremely resilient, or Africans in general, to be quite honest. So yeah, when we go to an international tournament, we've got nothing to prove. Uh, we're from South Africa, a so-called minor nation in hockey, and uh, we go and umpire what we see. Um, there are no strings attached. And, and with that, we... We really are, are resilient in that space. Um, the complexities are left behind. And uh, I think just doing business in South Africa is a whole nother, a whole nother game. And uh, I personally use umpiring and business uh, a lot together. And uh, your ability to make split-second decisions on the ho- hockey field allows you to process and analyze things extremely quickly in the business world. Um, you might not have that analogy, but but it's a reality. Is uh, on the field you are processing thousands of situations every few minutes. Um, balls traveling at 150 k's an hour, feet, sticks pushing. Uh, did it go over the line? Who did this and who did that? Um, and and with that, um, yeah, business slash umpiring sort of coincide in that space. I remember chatting to Yako Paper, a Springbok referee and um, international referee, and, and, and he told me, and I forget the exact number, but let's say 500. He said they, they analysed that uh, a rugby referee over the course of 80 minutes makes around 500 decisions, not physically blowing his whistle, but he has to compute, like you say, all the time. And um, there's something like you're allowed to make seven errors within those 500, um, and, uh, and it's a error rate of like not even 1% almost. Um, and he said, in any other job, it's almost impossible. Um, yet that they expect that. And, and could you equate a number? I mean, you, you say you, you're just constantly computing decisions, uh, analyzing, making sure that is it right, is it wrong? And then you actually have to blow the whistle. Yeah, I, I don't actually unfortunately have any numbers. But uh, on the topic, I think the introduction of TV has been the best thing for, for hockey. Um, the ability to refer... Um, Humans aren't perfect. We, we make 7, 10, 20 mistakes a game um, while, while, we, while we're out there to do our best and add value to the game. So it's not about controlling the game. It's, it's adding value with good advantages. It's adding value with allowing a player to push the limits but not break the, the rules or the laws. Um, and TV, is, it for me, has is, is allowed the frust- player frustration to be managed better. Uh, and in that space, we, we have our referrals as umpires and, and player referrals and the clever teams use their, their referrals in the best ways that, that adds value to their game. Um, and then the same, I think uh, TV has, has exposed some of the, the lesser or the weak umpires in the world and given the good guys reassurance that consistently we're making good decisions in that space. What would 
in your idea, your mind, what makes a great umpire? Give us some characteristics. You're a businessman. If you're hiring the next best umpire, what would you look at? I think firstly we got to start that a key aspect or a key criteria is that the person's played hockey at a at a really good level. So whether it's provincial or international level, I think it's it's one of the attributes that that you need as a as an umpire. And and, and why I say that is there's there's a rule book. Uh, and there's interpretation and and if you're not playing the game it's quite difficult to interpret or process the rules of the game in the application so firstly yes they they need to play at a a decent level that would be an an idea for me Um, the next would be uh, you really have to to have uh, a lot of matter between your two eyes and and in your skull there Um, it's a quick thinking. Um, you've got to be on your toes. You've got to process it. So someone with a bit of intelligence is certainly going to help. Uh, you'll, you'll see that throughout the world. Um, and then the ability to self-analyze. I think that's the most important process in this is the ability to self-analyze who you are, what you are, and what your role is in that game. Our role is not to control, dictate that space. And while players might seem to think that on occasion, um, one needs to look at, what they're doing and, and what we're trying to do. We're trying to add value through advantages, application of a safe environment for the players to execute their skills, create short corners and score goals. That's what our job is to do on, on a hockey field. Um, so yeah, those three items or, or criteria or attributes are, are the three that I would attri- or put on the table as a good umpire. All right, so that rules Derek out um, for so many reasons. Also, Derek, seven out of 500 is 1.4%. <laughs> not yet not 1%, but, you know, uh, he'll, he'll tell some math story, Nana, and then people will be like, but he didn't correct you. <laughs> All right, you, you've mentioned it a few times as a businessman. I mean, hockey is not your bread and butter. Um, not directly. <laughs> in terms of umpiring and playing, it is a little bit of your bread and butter in terms of the work you do at Belgatex. So what exactly do you do at Belgatex? Uh, well, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to head up the the brand, the Belgatex sport brand at the organization. And uh, that's really sort of grown through through the years. Uh, been with the organization 13 years now, and it's, uh, it's really sprouted in a lot of different aspects. So from doing a hockey field every, every six months to us being in a fortunate position to, to be putting close to two a month into South Africa. Um, we're really privileged and honored to, to, to do that at, at schools and universities. My role is uh, a jack of all trades. If you want to call me an MD, a GM, uh, the guy that puts the rubber down on the sand. But yeah, ultimately, I'm responsible for the direction, the strategy of the, the brand in South African markets. We, we're known in the, in the market as a, as a hockey brand. And we, we are at the moment are busy changing that perception. We've recently launched Belgatech Sports. Um, and our role and goal is to ensure that we offer specialized sports systems to the market uh, at, at good prices, but all focused on quality. We're not a cheap brand. We're out here to offer you the best reliable solutions. And with the launching of Belgatech Sport, we've diversified into athletics tracks, hard tennis courts, uh, multi-click systems, indoor centers, uh, anywhere where you need professionalized sports flooring, uh, that, that's our speciality. And uh, our team is great. We, we've, our team consists of the majority of international hockey players, 
we can consult, guide, and, and really add a lot of value to a school in that space. Did you uh, employ your sales and project representative who, uh, oh, this is advertised in March 2018. You get him or uh, her? So uh, there was one, uh, there's actually one that went out two days ago or a couple of days ago. So uh, we, we actually are looking for any potential sales and project management uh, personnel at the moment. We'll just give a little dig there. Uh, based in Joburg. Um, so there's opportunity to grow grow the brand, be a part of a, a really young, sexy team uh, that's passionate about sport. Yeah, one of the, the criteria it says who can work out uh, seven out of 500, the percentage uh, within two <laughs> seconds. So you've got your man right here. <laughs> so, so drills Derek out today. <laughs> they said young and sexy, so I'm not, I'm not sure I qualify anymore. Um, and, and obviously I, I was fortunate enough to go down to your, your hockey tournament. I know it's Riverside's hockey tournament, but it is Belga, Texas. The Elite Club Challenge. It is arguably the most special hockey tournament there is. It is one of the few hockey tournaments around uh, Africa where it's all about the players. What's what's the thought behind the Elite Challenge? Yeah, so we, we've been involved for, for a number of years, I think four or five years now. And uh, th- this is the brainchild of, of Riverside Sports and and uh, and Wayne from, from Riverside Sports. And what basically wanting to do is club hockey has been neglected within Southern, Southern African hockey. And we thought it was a great opportunity to instill some good core principles to ensure that clubs grow uh, and really focus on the, the fundamentals on running a club. So we have some strict criteria that, that we implement. So from uh, the guppies uh, through to club and Colts, uh, all the way through to masters hockey, these are prerequisites in order for you to qualify to, to, to try and qualify for this tournament. And with that, it allows you to have a holistic club that's not a one-team club. Um, and again, it's building what we, we, we commented on earlier is that uh, we want to build that culture. We want to build that connection. We want to ensure that people have that psychological attachment to their club. And yeah, the, the thought process of the Riverside and why Bulgatex is really partnered with Riverside in the space is uh, the players in this country pay, 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 and pay. Uh, we pay to go to the World Cup. We pay to go to the Olympics. We pay for everything. Um, and so our mentality is it's a tournament focused on the players, for the players. Um, they literally travel to the tournament fear of charge. They're hosted. They're fed. Um, and uh, to be quite honest, I, I personally, having seen this last year's uh, competition, it's probably the best hockey in South Africa at this stage as well. Um, and the reason being is a lot of the players in those teams are not vying for international or provincial players uh, or positions. They're there to have good old fun hockey, uh, what they've grown up doing, why they play hockey. And uh, as you're aware, nights are, are short, days are, are long, and uh, there's the good case of good old hockey back in a, in a tournament that we're proud to be a part of. You spoke about the, the fact that you're able to outsource, you're able to sort out uh, uh, courts now for twice a month, I think you, you said the number was. And, and it puts you in a, a very unique position, being involved in both Belgatex and, and being in hockey, is that it gives you an immediate snapshot of how well the sport is doing, not just for the business, but the sport as a whole. So I, th- I think that must certainly put a smile on your face when it's not just the fact that the company's making money, but the fact that the sport is indeed growing. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's definitely growing, guys. And uh, what's really awesome to see is that uh, 
the diversification of the central hubs in the country have all pretty much got fields. We're now seeing schools, uh, for example, Marensky and Ermelo. Uh, we, we're building fields in, in places where the hockey passion is there, the facility wasn't. And uh, don't be surprised if we see some really good players coming out of the, the, those regions. Um, yeah, and on, on, on sports and, and the facilities within South Africa, um, yeah, there's over 200 hockey fields now in South Africa. It, it's quite significant. Um, we're installing yeah, more fields than most people in the world every year. And uh, I've, I've done a lot of research now on um, facilities in general in South Africa. The sports business or facilities business within South Africa is close to a 2 billion rand business. Um, and uh, there, a lot of attention needs to be paid on that uh, at a professional level. There's a lot of, if I may call them, bucky-sucky operators in the markets, and people are looking and thriving for a brand that will represent quality and uh, expertise, and we had to service them now. Let's have some quick-fire questions. Indoor or outdoor? Indoor. Um, uh, umpiring or playing? 50-50. 51-49 to which one? <laughs> well, I, I've got to lean towards umpiring. It's taken me to probably 30 countries in the world. I've, I've been to places that I've never, ever thought of bought a ticket. Well, I would never have bought a ticket to Trinidad and Tobago, Egypt, uh, some random places. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm friends of the, the Prince of Malaysia. I've been there so many times. So. I love that. Uh, Smurf Turf or Green Machine? Green Machine. All the way. Um, and then... Uh, Perfect. Who is the best roommate you've had on tour? It's got to be Jeffrey Abbott. Okay. Reason? Oh, just a caring soul that's uh, appreciative of another human being. And the most untidy roommate you've ever had? Chris McCarthy. I mean, that, that probably goes without saying. It's a goalkeeper. So CA, I think. <laughs> yeah, those guys, you can't rely on them at all. Never. <laughs> what, what's your favorite country? Got to be South Africa. Uh, apart from SA that you've toured? Um, it, it's probably uh, Holland, to be quite honest. It's, it's got a nice, uh, a nice way about it. Um, good people. Um, yeah, a, a really nice place. Yeah, Derek really likes a certain area in Holland. Mm. It's uh, The Hague. The bakery. But, yeah, by uh, the Astros. Uh, hence why I'm wearing the shirt. It gives <laughs> it away. <laughs> Um, all right, and, and what's the bucket list? What's, what's next for you in terms of either playing, umpiring, or just going as a fan of hockey? Um, yeah, so let's talk about the playing side of things. Uh, we competed at RPT this year or last year, I think, uh, the, the old toppies. We, we got to the semifinals. I would like to go win RPT one more time. So I'm, I'm putting plans together to have uh, the right team in place and to, to really challenge... Yeah, PSI, the, the youngsters from PSI. Um, from an umpiring perspective, obviously the ultimate dream is, is the Olympics. Um, that, that's where, where we want to end up on the outdoor side. Uh, indoor World Cup is, is sooner. Um, so I'd like to be at the next Indoor World Cup and then, yeah, take it from there. Um, on 49 caps at the moment on outdoor and I don't know, seven or 10 on, on indoor. But uh, I think it would be a good challenge trying to get to, to the golden whistle or 100 caps in that space. Um, yeah. yeah, look, it would be sensational if you could do it in indoor because I don't actually know if anyone's got 100 caps in indoor. But I think uh, the problem is half the games you've umpired are, are exhibition matches when they're all-stars and stuff. So 
if you get there, you might still be umpiring at 65. Well, we're fortunate FIH has relaxed uh, the age limit. So let's see. You don't have to run too far on indoor. Yeah, and four quarters now, so it's fine. When do we have, Ty, uh, the indoor series? I don't know. It's not too secretive. Uh, over in November? Yes, yeah, so Switzerland coming out to South Africa. Uh, I believe the men have been confirmed now as well. So, um, yeah, you know, maybe a call up there. <laughs> a call up there because from my understanding, and we will probably see an interim coach as they haven't appointed a coach yet. Uh, probably an interim coach would want to go with experience. And where's and the woman? And, and, and the venues again? Uh, my understanding, it hasn't been confirmed on where, but it'll be three tests at Danville and three in Cape Town. I'm not sure if it'll be at UCT or if it'll be at one of the schools. Okay, Danville over in, in Derps. Yeah. So, because I'll tell you why, I'm obviously edging towards this, but um, Tyron won't be joining me over that series because uh, he'll be expecting once again. Uh, for a second time, congrats, Ty. Um, so I'll be on my lonesome, man, and I'll be in desperate need of a co-commentator. Um, so if you're happy to fill the role over in Derb, so we'd, we'd, we'd ha- love to have you on board. If you're not, obviously, on, on, on court. Oh, that would be great. Uh, I think uh, the more exposure we get on, on this platform is, is what SA Hockey needs, uh, indoor needs. And, and a big thank you to, to the two of you for, for taking the time to, to invest in indoor hockey and and. Hockey in general, um, we've we've all got to do our parts and add value. And a big up to to Radar and uh, Hockey Twenty Four Seven. Yeah, no you don't need to grow us. Yeah, that is the name. Um, and uh, we're very uh, thankful. Uh, who supplied our shirts once again over in in Danville when we we did the series last time? Spa. Uh, uh, these ones. These ones. Yeah. yeah these were uh, Craig over at Sports Twenty Four Seven got them made for us. So uh, yeah. Established not so long ago. Yeah, we looked uh, resplendent in white, and the other one was green. Although we were uh, using a green screen, so we didn't think that through. So um, when yeah. we wore that, 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 that <laughs> it was like the, the alien moment where someone walked through our chests. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fine. That was fine. <laughs> All right, uh, and what we usually do is uh, we wrap up a chat with uh, the good old one question quiz, and it's exactly what it says. It's one question. It's a quiz. You get it right, you're on the honours board, you get it wrong, you're not. And uh, Derek is quickly uh, just checking the stats to make sure that uh, uh, his question has a correct answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to have to ask one more before we get to it. I'm almost done. And because I actually had another question all along. Oh, well, there we go. Look all professional and seamless. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a question. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, actually, let's 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 throw this out on you. If you were to select the next indoor men's coach right now, and money wasn't an object, because we could pay a salary, who would you go for? I think we need to look twofold. So, if we're going local, um, I would probably lean towards uh, Steve Evans. Uh, that would be be my bet. Just uh, played at that level. Uh, has a good ethos, really gets the best out of, out of people. Um, and yeah, international, I, I'm not too afraid, but uh, ultimately, if, if we really want to compete on a global scale, we've got to get uh, a Dutch or a German coach. Yeah, I, I actually was asked on a, an interview on Vision View Radio a while ago who I would go for, and, and I actually said it's a bit of a left ball pick, but I'd go for Robert Tiggs if, if money was an option. He's a little bit ingrained in our culture here now. Phenomenal hockey player. He's coaching at Amsterdam, one of the top clubs. So if he's if he's willing, 
I would happily go with him. Yeah, and I think locally that's not a bad shot, Steve Evans. Steve Evans it is. So, now, the final question that we are throwing out to you. It's a pretty easy one. It's not uh, the toughest that we've had. Describe the flag of Trinidad and Tobago. Majority of it's red, and uh, then it's got some form of black triangles or squares and some, uh, I don't know, cockaroo rooster or something along those lines. Not even close. (laughs) Jeez, that that was a baddie. I mean, you got the red red. part. Yeah, you got one out of three descriptions. Ain't bad. Uh, Have have one more try. Okay, so you got the red part. What's Um, next? Probably uh, a square with a diagonal line in it somewhere. I think that's good enough. That's two out of three. What color is the diagonal line? Yeah, blue, black, black. So it's uh, rectangle. Which is the red part. That's the big square. Then you've got a diagonal line running from left to right. And that's black. And on the outsides are white. Here's one more. Oh, I've got another one for you. Fun with flags. What is, which country is the only country to have a flag that isn't a rectangle? Uh, not even going to go there. Ty? Well, give us a continental clue. Uh, Asia. Oh man it, It's famous For a, p- a specific landmark That it is home to Nepal? You could see it there No <laughs> Nepal it is Nepal Do you know what it is? The, the, the it's like almost two triangles On top of each other I was thinking Is there someone with a square flag? <laughs> Yeah, Nepal it is. Uh, yeah, I love flags. I love geography. Um, but yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting, Jade. And, and, and thanks so much for making the trip out here. Yeah, and, and feel free to join us on Flags 24-7. <laughs> or Boxing 24-7. Which is that thing, um, that show, Big Bang Big Theory. Bang Theory. Fun with flags. Yeah, but You remind me of Sheldon. <laughs> you remind me of Penny. <laughs> Yeah, guys, firstly, again, thanks thanks for having me. It's a great initiative. Awesome to be around uh, two wise men. And uh, I hope this goes from strength to strength. Uh, we'll certainly push what we can. What's uh, what's your trip like uh, for the rest? Are uh, you leaving the bright lights of Joburg? I'm sure you, 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 you're hating getting back to Hilton. No, so, uh, yeah, two days uh, in the sweat box here in the concrete jungle and uh, a good old trip on, on Thursday afternoon back to, uh, to the borough. Lovely. Travel safe. Aidan, it's been great having you on board, and uh, I'm sure we'll chat to you plenty in the future. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Cheers.